0: Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message from our special guest. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. I'm yes. This church is extremely historical for me because not only that the first church I preach in Bali, my hometown, but also um, nine or ten years ago when I preach here after I study theology for three years, my parents came, it was their first time and their last time to hear me preaching because they live in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, so it's, I'll ever, I will always remember uh, your church as something that has significant remarks in my heart. But before I start, uh, can we all join me in prayer, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit, Lord, we give you thanks for 2020. We give you thanks for this beautiful new year, and we give you thanks, Lord, as 2020 significantly means that it's of perfect visions. And may you bless us with perfect vision, Lord. May we be able to see your glory. May we be able to follow your command and and just be your servant and your disciples, Lord Jesus. May you speak to each of us personally as as I deliver this message. May the word of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, Lord hear us God and we truly trust that you are here with us, your presence and you will speak individually to each of us in this place. In Jesus name we praise, Amen. I don't know if you guys had a breakfast before you came to church, but there is a story once told about a mother who is preparing pancake for, his, for her two sons, Wayan and Made. And the boy began to argue, so who will get the first pancake? So the mother realized, wait a minute, this is a good opportunity to teach my two children about moral lesson. And she begins with, if Jesus were sitting here today, he for sure would give the pancake to his brother. In that moment, Wayan says to Made, okay, can you just be Jesus today? (laughs) There is so much to be told about breakfast, or even now, beginning, this is the second week of January. I don't know if you guys have resolutions. I always have resolutions. I have 10, I made it three, give up seven in the middle of it. And, and I struggle sometimes. And I, I, there's one said, um, someone said to this person, like, You've been, you watch the movie too much. You start to learn to read. And then it's like, okay, fine. That's my new Year resolution. I'm going to read more. And then New Year begins, and the person keeps watching TV. And the other person says, wait a minute, you promised to read. Yeah, 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 I'm reading. There's subtitles below, below the TV. <laughs> you can make so many excuses about resolutions. But don't give up, because I, I'll tell you why. Now, first I want to tell you the problem with resolutions. So every new year, we, have, we find a momentum to begin something, a good habit we call. We sign up at a new gym, we promise ourselves we're going to be good this year, I'm going to eat healthy food, no more junk food. And also we make promise in our hearts that we will call or be closer to those we care and love. And we want to focus our dreams and cut off every distractions. And all of these things actually are really good ideas. And we need to navigate our progress using plan. But every new year, as we aim to be better than previous year, we often ended up failing just after a few weeks of new years. Why is that? And the second thing, many of us maybe experienced something uh, painful last year, 2019. Maybe we experienced a breakup of friendship, someone's broke our hearts, or losing someone that we care, that the person passed away, the person's gone. Maybe we are handling and coping with the emotion turmoil right now. We we'll hold on to life. We're pretending is okay on the outside, but we're extremely broken in the inside of our hearts. Or maybe the third thing is that maybe we experience disappointment of life. Maybe through losing a job, losing a home, Unmet expectations. We are actually feeling numbs about life. We live just to pass by, just another day, another time, another habit. But we don't feel alive. We feel overwhelmed with worries. We feel extremely empty in the inside. And why is our heart yearning for something more than what the life can offer? Does God really cares about us? Is He God? really walk personally with us and how often that we felt God is a distance God so I want to talk about three points this morning so you can navigate the time the first one yearning of the world and the second is the yearning of the heart and the third yearning for eternity so the first one yearning yearning of the world so all of us we can be if we can be honest we kind of like what the world offers even though, as a Christian, we know, like, mm, not everything about the world is actually good for me. But can I, be, can I just give you an example? Fame. To be recognized and respected by others is a desire of everyone in this room. Yes, maybe no, not, not each of us want to be a celebrity or famous actress, but to be known in your children's school, to be known in your village, to be known in your office, Recognize in your bank when you're queuing. Oh, boss, boss, come, 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 just talk to the manager. You don't have to queue. All these privileges, we like it. We feel like so happy when someone remembers us in the market, like, hey, boo, keep buying, I remember you. You know, we feel happy to be recognized. We long for recognition. The second thing with um, wealth, of course, it sounds good to actually have everything that we need uh, and what we want at our disposal. And in fact, we always, always have, maybe we, some of us have this motto like, oh, um, I'm blessed to be a blessing, you know? Lord, I'm, I'm a blessed to be a blessing. I'm called to be a blessing. I know that you're poor. And you, we, we, we justify our, this blessing. But the world seems to offer that. And then, of course, we feel good when we be with someone who's amazing looking. You walk with someone like, and people are just like, wow, what a couple. And like, <laughs> thank you, thank you, you know? We, we're happy. It boosts our ego, you know. It makes us feel good to be with someone amazing, whatever they are. So we want recognition, we want love, and we think that maybe this earthly riches that makes us, makes us happy but can really bring us happiness that we long for, that we yearn for. Can all of this that the world offers make us happy? I thought it was. I said that was the only, perp- the only reason for me, for my happiness. When I was 14 years old, I live in Bali, I grew up in Bali. My mom signed me up for modeling competitions. Uh, I, w- I was very low self-esteem, I was, I'm tall. Uh, amongst, uh, I was 5'9 or 175 when I was 14, and now I stop at 181, 5'10 and a half of 11. But I was tall for Balinese, for Indonesian, for the girls in Bali. So my mom signed me up in modeling and thinking that I'll be more confident. But modeling, when I entered the competition in Jakarta and also international competitions, I finally found two things that I thought will bring happiness, uh, recognitions, and also financial independence. And I thought, I have filled the glimpse of happiness when I have those, those two that I never had before. And I thought, I built a wrong philosophy about life at the age of 14. To be happy, I have to have money. To be happy, I have to be famous. And that was my pursuit, my whole teenage life. I went to, I went overseas. I went to New York and Paris to do modeling. And yet, in those years went by. Of course, it's full of hard work. It's full of, you know, all these tears and crying and everything. But after years went by, I had the success I was looking for. I recognized as a Russian model who went overseas, and I have money more than enough. And yet, I feel extremely empty. I wasn't the only one when I ask people around me who are, doers, who are more famous than me, and they experience something, they experience the same. Of course, the solutions, the world solution will be like, you know, forget about it, you know, forget about it with YOLO, you only live once, do whatever you like, or forget about it and try use drugs so you can forget the feeling of numbness and, and emptiness and all of these feelings, or living your life the way you want it, don't worry about consequences, all of these things. In fact, one of my friends actually suggested, you know, if you don't want to live, just die. And I'm like, I don't want to die. I don't even know where I'm going if I died. But then I realized that the problem is not just within me. Many people have this problem. And I, you know, all this world full of lights and glams, they're facing, you know, they're facing emptiness when they search for happiness. Why is that? If the yearning of the world doesn't deliver, then how we actually can get what will fill our hearts with the true happiness. But the Bible reminds us of this truth of not loving the world. In the book of 1 John 2, 15 to 16, it says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone's love the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, Comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desire pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. And this is extremely powerful in many, in many levels. But let me just postpone and step back a bit. Some of my, if you read the Bible, you will argue wait, 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 wait. God said, Do not love the world, but God so loved the world, He gave His only Son to save the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah god can love his creations he will restore the brokenness of the world but we are not supposed to love the creation we're supposed to love the creator there is a difference between those two verses so what is the lust of the flesh if you may ask is those untamed sexual pleasure outside of the covenant of marriage it's hard it's true there's so many broken family units because of this untamed social, sexual pleasure. Second, the lust of the eyes is all the desire, the longing for every good thing about the world. You see, every good thing from the Lord from the in the world is from the Lord. But it depends on how we use that good things. Knife in the hand of a chef will cut amazing vegetable and chicken and everything. In the hand of a murderer will hurt people. Your heart is important in how you handle wealth of the world. It's your heart has to be right. Nothing wrong with the world, wealth. It's your heart has to be right. Not pursuing them for the sake of your unhappiness, but to use everything that God has made for his glory in, in his, with his, under his guidance. The pride of life is to seek for honor and applause of the people. So we do things not because we love the Lord, not because we want to do good things for the sake of good things. We do good things, we want to be live on Instagram, we want to be live on 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 you know Facebook. We want to show people, oh, we're such a good people, we do this and that. Sometimes we need that recognition because we have to accomplish accountability of people. We take picture when we donate something because it belongs to lots of money from people. We want to show them this is what we have donated, the money that you have trusted us. It's okay. But the motivation of the heart is extremely crucial. So all of these three, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life will weight us down in this journey in life. The heart is extremely important. Why do we want what temporary is? Why do we want to pursue the worldly happiness if it doesn't deliver the real happiness that we seek for? Michael Muggeridge is one of a famous writer. He's actually the one who writes about Mother Teresa, that, become, that she's become well known in the world. She has done so much work, invisible to the world, until someone write it down, the story of her life, which is Mugger Muggeridge. And then he's actually a very well known writer, and he says something so powerfully. If I may read for you all, and this will be in the screen as well. I may, I suppose, regard myself or pass for being as relatively successful man. People occasionally stare at me in the street. That's fame. I can fairly easily earn enough to qualify for admission to the higher slopes of eternal revenue. That's success. Furnished with money and a little fame, even the elderly, if they care to, may partake on trendy diversions. That's pleasure. It might happen once in a while that something I said or wrote was sufficiently handed for me to persuade myself that it would present a serious impact on our times, and that's fulfillment. Yet I say to you, and I beg you to believe, multiply this teeny trump by millions, add them all together, and there are nothing less than nothing, a positive impediment measured against one drought of living water Christ offered to spiritual thirst, irrespectively of who or what they are. Nothing. The encounter with Christ made every fame, made every wealth, made every recognition from the public becomes nothing. It sounds like garbage to him. But the living water of Christ replenished him, transformed him from within. He is a changed man when he met the person of Jesus Christ. He realized all of this pursuit that the world pursued Leads to emptiness. Only Christ satisfies the heart and the mind and in life. When someone asks me, but Trace, I know, I know it's God that we need to seek in life. I know. It feels so far. I don't feel him sometimes. I, I, it just feels so distant. But Jesus Christ never, never distanced from us. He's the, he's the center figure of a Christian faith. He's God who incarnate in human body. He came to the world to save the world from the power of sin. The power that makes people choose bad things over good things. The power that makes us have these disordered ideas and appetites about lives in every aspect of life. He came to invite us to join his path. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life, he said. No one goes to the Father in heaven except through me, he said. That means he invites us to join his path to everlasting by giving us forgiveness. By giving us forgiveness and to restart our life. It's never too late to restart our life. We don't have to wait for a resolution. In the first of every year, we can start our life in Christ at any time, anywhere. Because his presence with us, to, call, to be born again, to accept invitation to say, I'm not, I want to restart. I want to restart. Because of that precious invitations, those who follow him will have transformative life. For sure. It has been done thousands of years. Those who put the trust, the trust in the in Christ, they have transformative life begins at heart and visible in life. He understands our suffering. He left his riches in heaven to come down to this messy world he understands our pain and suffering he's the only one he's the only god who can say i know suffering i've been betrayed by my best friend you know i've been receiving hurts pain and all of this suffering even on the cross i bleed and died for you but there's hope beyond grave in christ he rose again and he said, those who believe in me are not going to die, not going to perish, but will be with me in paradise, will be with me in eternity. This is the God who's not God of distant. This is the God who doesn't need our money, doesn't need our everything. He has everything. And yet what he wants the most is our hearts. Because in our hearts is where the flowing of lives, either is death or lives that comes out from our lives. But he's God who's knocking in our lives, in our hearts. He came to this world, not only to teach us good things, but also lead us the way. Once you entrust you forever in him, in his guidance, you will never be alone. He spoke to us so many things, and we have so many worries about the world. We have so many worries, and worries is not bad. Because in certain spots, some of the scale of worries is important. For example, when, there is, when you walk on the street and you saw like a very strange dog staring at you, drooling, and you're just like, okay, this is not good, I better run. That's good worry. And a worry about like, hmm, you know, like I've been spending too much money, I don't have saving. That's okay. That's okay. But temporary worry. Worry that makes you change things. But worry, a prolonged worry, is, it will damage your brain. It will damage your heart. It will damage your relationship. And God has spoken powerfully about do not worry about this world. God is in charge. He's creator of the whole universe. And he knows. He doesn't call us to be lazy and just like, okay, I believe God will provide meal for me. He, doesn't, he, he, he will provide, but he will call us to do something as an act of faith that he provided through the work that we've done, through doing something good, so we don't have to worry but this is the verse that God has spoken in Matthew 6 therefore I tell you do not worry about your life what you will eat what you will drink or about your body what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes look at the birds in the air do not sow and reap and store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they? can you any of one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life. All of these things, all these verses, but he mentioned that, you know, why do you worry about clothes? And look at the flower in the fields. Do you know lab, labor or spin? Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendors was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass in the field, which is here today and tomorrow's thrown in the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying that what shall we eat, shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the pagans, for those who does not believe in God, runs after these things. But you heavenly father knows exactly what you, you, know, you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be given to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has its own trouble. That's the reminder from our Lord Jesus Christ, who cares so much, not only about our life, but our hearts. He cares so much about us. But you know, many of us do not even want to seek him. We don't want to study about him. We don't want to find him. But yeah, 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 but I'm busy working. I'm busy preparing my family. But everything we have in this world, it belongs to him. He's the one who gives it to us. He gives to those, he gives reins to believers and non-believers. He gives blessing to everyone, I think, in my opinion, the difference between those who doesn't believe in him and who, doesn't believe, who believe in him, it feels different. When we receive you give as a non-believer and as a believer, you know, we are made as a human being to worship, to be in awe of his glory. The moment we receive something, we give thanks to God and we will feel with something, with gladness. It's the same thing as you went to beautiful mountain scenery. Some people are like, eh, yeah, mountains. But some people are like, wow, what a beautiful mountains. You compliment the beautiful mountain, but you heart feel the gladness, right? Compared to those who's like, yeah, it's just mountains, it's there, mm, yeah, let's go. You know, there's a difference. You, gladness in receiving the visions of his goodness. So it's not only giving compliments to the one who deserves the compliments, but you feel the gladness of giving that compliments to where the compliments do. Second, so yearning of the heart. So I, did you know that you're the only, we are, human beings, the only one who creates differently compared to any other creations? Give, let me give you an example, two things first. The way we dress. None of us in this room dress the same. And second, our home looks so different. Even though we maybe buy the same types of home, we will decorate it differently. But birds, they still look the same even 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago. They still have their nests. There's not like, oh, this is my bathroom next to the nests and there's my living room next to the nests. No, they still live the same nests. Through centuries, they don't change. Because we made in God's image, we reflect His goodness in a smaller scale. It's tainted by sins, yes, but we are creative beings we love to create something out of food out of clothing out of lots of things that god has inspired us to do so when we when we plan our lives it's not bad at all it's not like oh i'm planning but yes planning is good but god's will be done but not my will god but god's will be done so we can navigate our progress by what we plan but of course we get frustrated over this planning how many of us get frustrated that our dreams 2019 doesn't come true? Maybe 20 percent, me too. 30 percent. But as a follower of Christ, yes, we, we are called to live differently than the world live. If we if what we do in this world using our own strength, our own power, our own ways, it won't last. If the motivation, if the motivations of our hearts is to please human. It will leave us disappointed with ourselves or with others. If we continue to worry about lives, we are not going to enjoy life. But there's something different. But if we do all the things that we plan, all our dreams in line with His plan, in trusting that He's guiding us, we will, ach- we will achieve disciplined life under the lordship of Christ. And because of that, the difference is in the motivation of the heart. When your heart says, you know, I'll do this for the glory of God, we don't have pressure from ourselves. We do our best for the glory of God. We don't have pressure from others. that We're not going to be disappointed either by ourselves or by others if the center of our motivations in our hearts is for God, is for him alone. And this will help us. So whenever we gain success, It won't make us snobbish, and if we fail, it won't make us failures. It will sanctify our hearts through this giving. Lord, I've done my best. May this be pleasing to you. And that is extremely important, because when we do it for Him, when everything that we do in excellence for Him alone, we get we gain honor by God and respected by human. We will. But not pressure because it doesn't change us if the motivation of our heart is for him alone it will refine us and our dreams our visions everything we hope for in line with his perfect plan if it's for him he will in line he will he will just redirect us to the right plan to the right places with the right people he's sovereign but we need to be obedient under in 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 his sovereignty none of the things that i feel like i don't know about you but there's a kind of oh my goodness I think I've, you know, I just felt like I'm, I'm a beyond repairs. One thing, I was just telling Pastor Don earlier, like Pastor Don says, like, in Bali people are much more relaxed, always late, you know. I'm like, that's my problem too. Like, I struggle with lateness. I mean, like, we call this like jam uh, karet, you know, Indonesian. And then like, I struggle with that. And I don't understand because even though I, was, I finished my, you know, preparation two hours before, something distracted me and time just, just run by. And then just like, and I'm late. And nobody understands that. And I know it's painful because I don't like waiting. And, and, and so I struggle. And sometimes I feel like, God, this part of me is beyond repairs. The rest is, can be repaired. And that's not true. That's not true. There's nothing in Christ, there's nothing beyond repairs. He's the God who created us. He's the God who can repair us. He's the God who can restore us. He's the only one who can fix us, restore us, the brokenness from inside. He's the only one, as long as we put our trust in him. What I love about this word is this, from unknown, you got a broken heart, not a broken life. You got broken dreams, but not broken life. In Christ, he is God who restored everything. The only thing that the world's trying to bring us far is by giving all these temptations. And Jesus, Jesus has witnessed the temptation himself you know fame power all of these things but yet he said no to those things because he knows the most important being is actually his heavenly father god the trinity god so seek first, six, uh, first seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness all the things will be given to you according to his richness so we it is important to align our dreams and our vision with his vision and dreams for us that's why even our lord jesus christ when he's about to be crucified in the garden he says but not my will your will be done O lord he submitted to his father and we are called to submit to heavenly father as well when we seek for his truth for his kingdom for his way when we when we not what what we can get from god but for who he is for who he is our desire will be aligned with him. Jimmy Elliott is one of my favorite uh, missionary and he quotes this beautifully. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Extremely powerful for me because that was the moment I was studying theology. Uh, I, um, I went to a Fall in Oxford and I'm giving up fame at the age of 26 and the pursuit of wealth to study theology. And I was sitting there thinking like, oh my goodness, this is extremely hard work. I have to study so much about God, which I don't know personally. I just met him just a few years back, even though I went to church as a kid, but it never become a personal relationship. But was, I was thinking like, oh, it must be so nice, so I should go back to marketplace to work in the modeling and to travel. I don't have to think, I don't have to write an essay, I don't have to do all this reading. But then in the class, someone just code that and then says like, he is no fool who giving up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What we cannot keep in this world. Everything. You cannot keep your home. It will, be, it will tear down. It will be broken. It will be bochor in one of these days, you know. And then you cannot even keep your look. I'm so sorry. You're not going to look like this in 20 years. And yes, yes, maybe you say, oh, but Botox can help. Not on your throat. It will visibly show that you're aging. <laughs> you cannot hide. You cannot hide. Everything is not permanent. So giving up what is not permanent, for something is permanent, is smart. It's no fool to give up what you cannot keep, but to gain eternity that you cannot lose. That's why Jesus reminded us in Matthew 6, 19, do not store up yourself all this earthly wealth, because the moth, the ferment will destroy it. The thief will break and steal it. But store up in heaven, in your treasure in heaven, where nothing will destroy it. Because where the treasure is, that's where your heart is. Where is your heart this morning? Where have you put your heart? Is it under the Lordship of Christ? Or still mingle with the entertainments of the world? If your heart fills with heavenly treasures or temporary pleasures. Our heart yearning to know something. Not just what the world can offer. There's a God-shaped vacuum in our hearts. These shapes of a hole in our hearts, it cannot be filled with anything of the world. You can fill it relationship. You have, you dating an amazing person. Yeah, find out a week later, you're like, oh, that's not so amazing. This person have a bad habit, you know. Yes, everybody will disappoint. And you try to, you know, fill with career, with wealth, with everything And yet, everything in this world is too small for the big capacity that only God can fill. In our hearts, there's a space. If you don't have God, we will fill with everything else. Because we need to fill that emptiness. That's why San Augustine says this. God, you made me to yourself. And my heart is restless until it rests in you. Our heart will be restless until we rest in God our relationship with God is the most crucial relationship. It glued every other relationship together. That's why Thomas Merton says this, man is not at peace with his fellow man because he's not at peace with himself. And he's not at peace with himself because he's not at peace with God. Only through this relationship that we can f- you know, fulfill the calling of our lives. Jesus reminds us to love the Lord your God with all our hearts, and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the, if you put in the 10, this is the summary of the whole Bible. The first, the 10 commandments, the first four is this, to love God with everything. And second, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. If we cannot love God, we cannot love ourselves. Because there will be identity crisis, identity problem. We don't know who we are if we don't know who God is. He, if he doesn't restore in us, we will never know who we are truthfully. But then, if we don't love ourselves the way we're supposed to love ourselves, we cannot love others as we love ourselves. That's why they say they have this saying, like, hurting people hurt people. You cannot love the true sense of love if you've never been restored in your heart to love them in the right capacity. Either you love them too little or you love them too much. And either way hurts people. So the questions, if the problem is in the heart, have you loved God with our hearts, with our strength, with our body, with our mind? Have you loved God in the way we can actually be restored by His relationship and to be able to love ourselves in the healthiest way and to be able to love others? Have you have, have you had that? Have you given your heart to God? Have you made your appointment to seek Him daily? Have you made appointment to, to pray and to prepare, to study his words daily, to put him first and above everything in this world? You and I yearning for God. If you're not in relationship with God, we're going to be in relationship with, with other things. We will seek love at the wrong places with the wrong people and we end up being hungry for more of wrong kind of loss. The world, the worldly love, the worldly kind of love, will be like this. It's like you're drinking seawater, and you end up more thirsty than ever before and never satisfied. Three, short one, yearning for eternity. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet, so no one that so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning until the end. Both of our desire in life is actually and all these limitations is ordained by God. Everything that you have is given by God. Everything that you with is given by God. Everything is given by God. Why we worry of these things that are given by God, but not want it to be in relationship with him? Why? In fact, do you realize that all these things that we feel about life, that we want to stay young forever? that we want to be fit for, you know, to be healthier. And in fact, by the grace of God, those who 60 looks 50, those 50 looks 40, those 40 looks looks 30, 30 looks 20. Nowadays, it's like we all look younger compared to previous century. Why do we long to look younger and fit and desirable? It's because God has set eternity in our heart. Our life is not just ending when we die. Life is begin when you trust God. He prepares a place for you. We once lost in the garden of Eden, but God will restore us in the garden of heaven. Yes. He is God who just not giving you life. He walk with you in this life to prepare you for the next life. We are going to live in eternity, a place where there's be perfections, no more pain, no more suffering. There's no more, all these things that we felt in this world will be restored to the fullness of our potential as a human being. He prepares that for us. But his invitations is valid when you put your trust in him. We become Christians or we accept the invitation not because of goodness, no. Not because you're good looking, no. Not because you're somebody, no. Not because you're rich, no. It's because you're broken and say, God, I need you. I need you and please accept me in your kingdom. And that's how we become Christian. Nothing to do with our good works, but the proof that you have become a believer. It's something good come out from your heart, into visibly in your life. But something that naturally done, would have put so much effort, oh, I need to be Christian. No, no, no. You're a Christian. You're a child. You don't have to act like a child. And God is God who restored brokenness. So today, I don't know where you at. You know, C.S. Lewis says that if I find myself a desire, which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And yes, you are made for another world. you made for another world, but begins today as you put your trust in Christ. As you bring back your vision, to the 2020 visions, to see his glory in everyday life. God called us and wanted so much to fill that space in our hearts with his presence. C.S. Lewis says this, imagine yourself as a living house god comes in to rebuild that house at first perhaps you can understand what he's doing he's getting the drains right stopping the leaks in the roof and so on you knew that those jobs needed to be done so you're not surprised but presently he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abundantly and does not seem to make any sense what on earth is up to The explanation is that he's building a quite different house from the one that you thought of, throwing out the new wings here, putting on the extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyard. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he's building a palace. He's intended to come and live in himself. God is not God who built something small in your life. He is a God who built a palace in your heart so he can reign there and make something amazing out of your life. It is God who begins the good work in us and he will finish it by walking with us faithfully in this journey of life. Do you trust this God? Have you put your trust in this God? Have you said yes to his invitations and allow him to build the palace in your hearts and change you from inside out? Have you done that? Have you done that? It is a journey of a lifetime yes but the lifetime begins today when you put your trust in him when i preached for the first time at icc years ago in front of my parents i came down my dad said to me it was a miracle it was a miracle i said dad which one is miracle and i said i didn't preach anything but miracle of christ he said "No, no, no 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 you can speak in the front of many people in english We've been educating you in English, and you—I'm so bad with my English since I was small. Even though I live in Bali and surrounded by uh, English-speaking people, but it's a, it has been a struggle to speak in English. And he said, "This is a miracle. This is a miracle." And I cried, and I said, "God, you are restoring me. My deepest struggle as a kid, as a teenager, is to speak. I live in U.S. for six years. I don't speak English. I speak broken English. You want to eat? Yes. You know, like like very bad. And then like all of the you know like." Like, and then God restored my fear of people, lots of other things. And my parents, my dad affirmed that. That is the work of God. Nothing to do with me. I'm just doing, he's restoring. And people recognize. If anything in your life right now is broken. If you need restoration in every aspect of life, he is a God who the only one who can restore our brokenness, our loneliness, our insecurities, our problem of every aspect or health, any other aspect of life. Come to him. Come to him. He's the only one who can restore it. And he done it so many times. I've witnessed it in people's lives, in my life. Come to him and don't let anything from the world try to stop us from coming to live for his glory alone. I want to close with a story before I pray. Ravi says this very short one. He says, I came to him because I didn't know where, where way to turn. I remain with him because there is no other way I wish to turn. I came to him longing for something I did not have. I remain in him because I have something I will not trade. I came to him as a stranger. I remain with him in the most intimate friendship. I came to him unsure about the future. I remain with him certain about my destiny. Ravi Zacharias, where are you today? Shall we pray? Lord Jesus we give you thanks that you God who is not far from us that you God who is knocking at the door of our hearts right now the doors can only be opened from inside not from outside you keep knocking many of us will open our hearts today and say God please come into our hearts please renovate our hearts God please reign in this place please lead us to live in this world to everlasting God we thank you, Lord. Only you can do these powerful works in us to restore us to be full again so we know our purpose in life, so we know who we are, so there's, we know the meaning in life and we know the boundaries that we have to walk through and also the destiny you prepare for us. For some of us who are Christian, Lord, may you replenish us. May you refresh our soul that we will be true worshippers of you, God not only with words, but in actions as well. May from our hearts, Lord, you replenish everything, Lord, that we become fresh again, that we can see your goodness in the fresh sight, in the fresh eyes. And for all of us in this church, God, we thank you that we love by you, that you accepted us for who we are, but you are not just going to leave us where we're at because you're bringing us to perfections because that is your will for each of the people that you created in this universe. So we thank you so much, you sovereign God. May we live under your lordship. May you steer our hearts with your truth. May we see your wonder and may we honor our lives. May we honor you with our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen.